0: Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. So there's been a thing running for the past few weeks or months at church that the service team will just place something random on the pulpit that we have to preach on. (laughs) And um, tonight it's a tandem-looking racing car, motorbike thing. And um, I guess my best is don't do life on your own. This is a race that we need people alongside of us with and that we need to do this in tandem. So the person sitting next to you is your encourager. They are your cheerleader. In fact, fact, God says that heaven is filled with those who are cheering us on. So we're not doing this race alone. We are doing this race with people cheering us on. And church, it is better done in community than without. We are not an individual church. We are a church that is a community of people brought under the grace and truth of Jesus Christ running this race of life. And what an honor that is. Amen? Awesome. There we go. This is going to get creative. So if you see people in the next few weeks doing these awkward looks at the pulpit, it's just because they've seen something and they have no clue what to do with it. (laughs) I got lucky. House of Restoration. If you've been coming to highway for any amount of time you will be familiar with those words they are not just something that we call a catchphrase they're not just something that we say because it slides off the tongue really well they're actually something that we are as a church as a group of people we we have a presence that sees families sees people individuals restored to what god has called them to be and i reckon it flows from our senior pastors byron and graham for the duration of their ministry, they have seen many leaders, church leaders, community leaders, uh, men and women, families restored in Highway Church because of their anointing. And I believe I'm speaking on the, uh, us being a house of restoration, but it really flows down from our senior pastor's heart to see families restored, to see a church that is mission-focused but family-minded, and to see to see the church together continuing to be, to be the church that we've been called to be today. Not the church that we wish to be or the church that we could be, but the church that we've been called to be today. House of Restoration, I have a question for us. Is it possible that God could restore that thing that's been taken from us? Maybe we helped in that, maybe we self-sabotaged a little bit and we did some stuff and as a result we feel as if we need restoration. Maybe tonight you feel as if something was taken from you that, 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 that joy was taken from you, that, that situation took something from you that you can't seem to find? Do we believe that we serve a God who can restore that which was taken? Do we believe that we serve a God who, as He said it, as He's given it, no man can take away? Do we believe that we serve a God who can, who can come through in that family situation, who can restore that health, who can restore the finances and the wisdom needed to activate them, who can restore those relationships around us, who can restore that mindset, that He can restore our minds to being joyful again, that He can restore our perspective from being down and being out and being lost to being found in His arms. Do we believe that we serve a God who is able to restore? Is it more than the phrase, house of restoration? Is it more than just being able to say that we've been restored and actually knowing that we've been restored by the power of God that's in us? I wonder tonight what would happen if we had the revelation of God's restorative power in our life afresh. We're all on this journey. Everyone, we are a fragmented humanity, and God is in the business of bringing all the pieces together and building something magnificent. We have been fragmented from our, from our beginning, but we will not be fragmented in the end. We will be whole. And it's the journey of life that we take. Do we believe that God can restore? Restoration is a weird word. Sounds like hard work. If, you think, if I think of it, I think restoration. I think of houses. I think of pulling things down, putting things up, moving things. If you've been doing any house restoration, you will know the hard work that is in that. But the Cambridge Dictionary says it: the act of process of returning something to its earlier good condition, listen to this, or position, or to its owner. I like that, to its position. We so often think restoration is just about getting the thing back to how it was, but what if it's more about us being positioned in the restoration place that God has for us? What if it's all about more for us about less about the situation being restored and that thing being restored. It's actually more about being repositioned with our eyes on Christ, or maybe it's being returned back to our owner, our God, where our heart has strayed because of that situation or circumstance. We've been repositioned. We've been placed back. I was reading Psalm twenty three while I was in India a few months ago, and this psalm was speaking to me while I was over there, and I love. What David writes, David was a genius. (laughs) Uh, If you read the book of Psalms, you'll find out why. He was a genius, the way he put words together. He seems to have captured, I guess, where everyone feels like they are at points in their life. And he gives us unreasonable hope to believe that God can pull us all out of it. And I love that Psalm 23 says this, and you'll know it if you've probably heard it, if you've been in church at any amount of time. Maybe you've heard it in your schooling if you haven't. But this is what it says, and it'll come up on the screen too says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. That, go back to that one. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack. That's, that's a bold statement to say that the God is our shepherd, but I don't lack anything. There's nothing that I lack in this life when I know that God is my carer, that he's my provider, that he's my surety, he's my security. There's nothing that I lack. He continues and he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Listen to this even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your grace will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that psalm because it gives us unreasonable hope. It gives us a hope that doesn't find reason in where we are right now, but points us to the reason being in Christ, that even though we feel hopeless in this situation, we can have an unreasonable hope in our Saviour, Even though you feel hopeless where you're at right now, there is a God, there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, who can permit us to have unreasonable hope, and it doesn't even need to be founded in the natural. And so often we try to find our hope in the natural. When God is working behind the scenes, He is working in our lives and upon our lives, and He's bringing restoration, but it may just not be the way that we thought it would be. It would come about. It may look different to what we imagined. You see, I love that David writes this this passage, knowing what it felt like to be a king, yet also a shepherd. I think David, I was thinking about this during the week, had a better perspective on what that felt like than anybody else. He knew he was king and he still had to be the shepherd out in the field. Samuel had anointed him. He knew what it felt like to have to serve and take care of the flock, even though you are royalty. And as he writes this about our God, I was thinking about Jesus. He knew what it felt like to be king, yet also be the shepherd. But more than that, he was also the lamb. And I love that David writes in this scripture, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, I don't fear evil. That's what he's saying. I can walk through, and I love what Pastor Caleb says a lot. He says, don't stop in the valley of the shadow of death. Don't start camping in the valley of the shadow of death. And so often that's what we do, isn't it? We find ourselves in the situation of life where everything seems pulled away and we camp in the valley because we think there's nothing ahead of us. There's no hope ahead of us. But the Word says, though I walk. And church, are are we a people that are walking through the valleys, through the darkness that surrounds us? Are we a church that is moving forward into the great things that God has? I love how one scholar puts Psalm 23, and he he phrases it perfectly. He says it's a little bit of a long statement, but this is what he says about Psalm 23. It has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remanded in their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there than their are sands in the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their, pinch- in their pinching griefs, of or- orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains. What a way to put unreasonable hope. What a way to put this passage of Scripture. That it it, it gives us unreasonable hope in where we are. See, church, tonight we're about to hear of a story of restoration power, because there's one thing to be told, is another thing to see. And I want us to get some unreasonable hope for us as we hear the story tonight. I want unreasonable hope to get in our hearts and souls and produce something in us that goes, when we leave this place, we walk out with something that we didn't have when we walked in. That change can happen in 2020. And it's not the year that's going to change anything. It's my perspective that's going to change everything. Nothing changes with the year, the calendar dates. Everything changes with a mindset change and the actions to back it up. And church, when we walk out of here after hearing this story, can I just ask, let's be encouraged. Let's get ready. Let's, let's draw out all the little bits of unreasonable hope we can gather from the story tonight that we can walk out of here and say, I'm ready and I'm hope-filled. When we get hope-filled, something shifts. Proverbs thirteen twelve. The reason why we fail to hope sometimes is because we hope in all of the wrong things other than the right thing. And we know the Scripture. It says in Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I love the way the Passion Translation puts it. This is what it says. When hope's dreams seem to drag on and on, we've all been in those places, When hope's dreams seem to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. But when at last your dreams come true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. When we hope in God, everything changes about our situation, our circumstance. Why? Because it's not an unreasonable hope. He is true to His word. Every weapon that is formed against us will not prosper, whether we see it now or don't. Nothing that is turned against us will be our demise. In fact, it will be our weapon. Every test will turn to a testimony when we learn to hope in Him. When we learn to put down the things that the world will try to say, you need to hope in this, you need to hope in this venture, this person has all the answers, that person has studied degrees and they know how you think and they know this and they know that. When we fail to hope in the things that the world can throw at us and we hope in God and what he has provided for us and the wisdom that he's provided for us, everything can change. But when at last your dreams come true, life's sweetness will satisfy you. Your soul, I was out at Chinchilla last night in I guess mid outback Queensland, it's about five hours' drive. Who's been to Chinchilla? Anyone? Oh, wow, there you go, watermelon festival. No, I've been to the Chinchilla, yeah, you have. Awesome, I've been to the Chinchilla watermelon festival. But I was out at Chinchilla and driving out to Chinchilla, I haven't been out there for about two years, but it was my friend's engagement party, and he had it at his property. And Driving out, it was evident this was the driest I have ever seen it. I've been going out there since I was 13, and this is the driest I have ever seen the Outback. And it was literally just a dust bowl. There is no grass, there is no greenery, there is dust, red dust everywhere, and um, it was shocking. And as I'm out there, uh, we, we parked the car, and we're walking up, and around my friend's house, his mum, she's been living on the land all of her life. And she has been watering the grass around. She's been using her water, which is saying something there, to water the grass, just a patch of grass on the outside of her house. And it is lovely and green and lush. And I just mentioned it to her in passing last night. I'm like, I see the green patch. She's like, yes, I've been watering it. And she's like, sometimes I just go and sit out there and I look at the green patch. And it just gives me hope that the drought will break soon. And I thought I can learn something from that. I took a mental note and said, I can learn something from that, that while in her drought, while she's not seeing the rain or the provision, while she's not seeing anything fall, she will make a place and she will sit in a place and she will look at the good thing that she is able to, uh, that she is waiting to break open. She will look at the grass and she will, she, hope will rise within her to continue to go out the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And so often what we fail to do is we fail to water the things in our life that give us that little bit of hope. Because it's a little bit of hard work or because it's that, incon- it's that inconvenience or because we don't have the time. We feel as if we, we're just so busy running around. We fail to water the things that sprout faith. And it's, it's not like her whole backyard and everything was covered. It was a tiny, minute little piece of her thousands and thousands of acres that was perfectly green. But that was enough to instill hope in our heart that the drought would break. And maybe tonight we could learn something. Maybe tonight we can go home and we can ask God, God, would you just give me some revelation from your word? If I pray to you, God, would you just start to pour your words into me? God, would you give me a little bit of hope right now? You see, coming to church is a great place to start, but it is only the start. This can't be the little bit of hope for our whole week, because we will fail at times. But if we have something every day that gives us that little bit of hope, where the green is grass and our hope can be filled, we will see the droughts broken. We will see the droughts broken in each and every individual life eventually. But we've got to keep hope filled and not hopeless. See, we need to get a vision of the drought breaking in our life. We need to get a vision of our life being restored or our situation being restored. We need something, church. We can't can't go on fumes. It's relationship. It's real relationship, we used to say it at youth. Real relationship. It's not fake, the relationship with God. It has to be something that is real because if it's something that's real, it can sustain Life, even through the darkest valleys, even through we may, even though we may doubt. You see, David looks back on his life, and they say that he wrote this in the later parts of his life. And I wonder if he wrote this, looking back, thinking of all the things that he had done wrong, thinking of all the places he's being caught up, all the things that he, situations he was placed in. You see that when he, even when he fought Goliath, they were in between two valleys, and I wonder. If even then he started to think back, you know what, the darkest valley, I won't fear evil. You're my carer. Because he had a realisation that if he cared, he was diligent in what he did, but if he cared for his father's flock like he did, and we're told that he did really well, if he cared so much about them, how much more does God care about him? You see, this is a personal revelation. It's not the Lord is our shepherd. It's not the Lord is the shepherd is the Lord is my shepherd. And there's a big difference. Sometimes we get so caught up in the corporateness of church. It's all about our and us and they, which is fine, I'm not saying it's bad, but there comes a time when life puts us in situations where it has to be the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my strength. He is my healer. He is my restorative power. He is my hope. He is my joy. He is my answer. The Lord is my saviour. It has to turn to individual uh, individual revelation at one point or another. I'm going to ask two people to come up on stage. And these two people, they've been coming to Highway for a number of years now. And they are inspirations. Their story will inspire you. It's, It's a story of unreasonable hope. It's the story of restorative of the power of God. It's the story that will encourage us and will give us that little bit of green grass that we need, whether we go through this direct, uh, direct thing or not right now, that's no problem. But we will be empowered and, and hope-filled walking out of here by listening to the testimony of these two people. And then following that, we're going to baptize these two people because they are here to make a statement tonight that the old is gone and the new has come. They are here to make a statement tonight That as they've been included in Christ's death, they will be included in His life. As they've made a statement saying, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. They want to make that statement tonight, and they want to make it loud, and they want to make it proud. So I'm going to invite Andrew and Kerry head to the stage, and I'm going to ask them a few questions, but can we please give it up for them tonight as they come along? Come take a seat. Andrew and Carrie. everyone, if you don't know them, Andrew has been serving on our security team for a couple of years now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, at youth? Two or three years. Safety team, two at church. And Carrie serves at our community breakfast cafe. Does a great job there. And um, you guys have a, a magnificent story. I'd love for you to, I guess, expand on that right now. What has God done in your life?
1: Um, well, I might just for, start with a bit of background Go for, for you guys. Um, Kerry and I met at Youth Group um, many, many years ago. Come on. Um, we, were, we were married in um, 1998, um, and we had our first child, Grace, in March 1999. Um, and then we had Jessica in the same year, in December nineteen ninety nine. So you, you guys can do the Maybe math. A few
0: of them down the front here.
1: Um, which the, so yeah, we had had two two beautiful girls in one year, as you can see up there. Um, we then uh, had a bit of a gap to Oliver, and he was born in two thousand and five. So um, we. We uh, were married, had the kids, but because we had the two kids in in the one year, it was pretty tough financially, um, and that put a, a a huge drain on our relationship. Um, we were uh, Christians through our lives, um, but I got to say at that time, Christ probably wasn't the centre of our lives, and that made it really difficult. Financially, we weren't, and we weren't having. Not, not just faith in each other, but, but faith in our God as well. Um, and then after a period of time, so in, in 2010, January 2010, we decided together that um, we were going to uh, separate. Um, after 12 years of marriage, it was at that point in time we separated. Um, Kerry moved out in Actually, in last week, it was January 2010 that she'd moved out. Um, we shared the, the kids 50/50, and week on week off, they were with me one week and with Kerry the other week. Um, and I started going to coming here to highway in about 2013, I think it, it was, about t- 2013, and was coming here and felt a calling on God at that point in time. I felt that this was my home and this is my family, right. um, and then God just moves in in ways that you, you can't even imagine in your life, yeah. just, I, even if, if you told me 12 months ago where we'd be today, I, I wouldn't have believed you, and um, probably one of the catalysts was, uh, over about 12 months ago, I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease, which is a, a um, debilitating disease that causes vertigo, um, it's incurable and uh, it was a tough time and at that point in time, not only you guys helped me out with everything that was going on in my life, I, there, was, there was weeks where I could not even get out of bed, I was lying in bed and I just couldn't get up, but not only at that point in time, Kerry came back to me and started helping me and um, she had started coming here to Highway as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, at at that point in time, she also felt that God was calling her back. Um, and Julianne, yeah, Julianne was always working behind the scenes for us both. Uh, and then, I don't know, it was just, we, we felt that God was calling to restore our marriage back together again. And in the last 12 months, we've both felt that calling to, to reunify and rest, restore our, our marriage. And next week, it will be 10 years and we're actually moving back together in a house together and our family Music. will be Amazing. back together as a family unit again. Yeah. God, God is a miracle worker Yeah. and if you think that it's over, it's never over. I'll just say yep. that to you guys right now. It, so good. I, I get it that, that this story is not the, not going to be everyone's story, but it's our story. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you guys right now, if you feel that God has got that calling on your life, it will happen. Yeah. And never give up on it, because he's never going to give on. up on you. I can tell you that yep. right now. He, he will yeah. never give up. And you've just got to have faith and believe and just ask for him to keep working. And if you want it, he will provide it. Awesome.
0: Can I ask Carrie a question? Yeah. Is that right? What has it it done on the inside of you, this story, this, I guess, story of Uh, restoration power and a miracle? uh, How does that, like, what has that done for your faith?
2: uh, I I just love God so much, (laughs) Yeah, I I was in the the depths of you know, the valley of darkness for very like most of the time that we were separated, like severe depression, and yeah, um, he's just changed me so much. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah I just love him so much.
0: It's awesome. Yeah, it's great.
2: And every time I look at Andrew, like I. I just love him even more and that's only possible through god yeah
0: so good that was amazing and this decision today to get baptized together
2: um we were just talking about it before but we've been talking about it for ages it's like a a clean slate yeah um you know saying goodbye to like the past and the hurts that we you know inflicted on each other and just saying goodbye to all of that yeah I'm just starting afresh
0: yeah that's amazing and what does the future look like for you and your family Um,
2: we're just going to grow and grow more in God yeah God will be the centre of our relationship our relationship with our children Mm. Um, yeah it's just amazing did you want to say something
1: just just um that we're going to continue to have faith and even in those dark times that you were you're talking about like Kerry said now we we have Christ as our center yeah we're we're under no illusions that that it's not all going to be a bed of roses from now on and 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 whatnot but this time we know that we can rely on God yeah um, that he's he's our he's our center he's our stability He's, he's the one that um, we gravitate to every day. You know, at, at the moment we're, we're praying separately together, but in, a, in another week's time, when we're back restored under the same roof together, we'll be able to pray together, we'll be able to, to um, do all these things that we've, we've had 10 years that we've missed out on. And that's, you know, we had to go through that um, because we had to learn and we had to come back to God. God was calling through it all that time. But um, we had to go through that. And even though it was the was a, was a hardest, most difficult time of my life and of my family's life, I know now that the fruits of what is yet to come. Yeah. You know, Caleb was talking about first fruits last week and the starting off a, a new year, new decade. Yeah. And this the step that we're taking tonight is um, all part of that.
2: Right.
0: And one thing that you would say to anyone walking through something they don't see a way out
1: (laughs) don't give up up. um never give up never give up um you you can have your doubts you can have your unbeliefs you can you can have all your your faith tested but you know god never gives up on you he will never give up on you and and um you just have to just keep like you said you just have to keep walking through that valley don't stop just keep walking through it and at the end of the at the end of that um valley there's an open plain yeah. and and um i can see now that my family and i we're we're walking out into that open plain now
0: so good so good are you ready can yes. we do it yeah absolutely. i'm excited 100%. let's do it pastor Caleb. 2020, making a f- fresh declaration to everyone here, but more than that, to yourselves and to God, that everything that's happened is only the testimony of God's goodness, and everything that's going to happen is going to be the continuing story of His goodness, and of His mercy, and of His grace. I just want to take it in just right now. Just take this moment in. This is awesome. I know, I know the answer to this question, but do you love Jesus?
1: Absolutely, with all of my heart.
2: Yeah. Most definitely.
0: Most definitely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're going to get you down here. I'm just going to get you to sit down there. Here we go. Andrew and Kerry, in the name of the Father, The Son and the Holy Ghost, I now baptise you in the name of Jesus. Right now, we're just going to pray for you. So why don't you just open up your hands. And church, would you stretch your arm forward? You're in on this. We're all in this together. Father God, we thank you for this amazing couple. Oh God, I just ask that your presence would wash over them afresh right now. God, this story is a divine story. God, this, this story that this couple have, Lord, will inspire people everywhere, Father. Yes. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've brought restoration. You've brought your, your, your ability, Lord, to bring people together once again. Yes. That Father God, although they look like it was done, everything was failed, Lord, everything was over. God, You brought Your power. You brought your, your joy. You brought Your understanding. You brought Your grace and Your mercy. And God, these two, Carrie and Andrew, stand here as, as, as emblems, God, of Your goodness and Your mercy and Your grace. And Father God, right now, I just pray over their, over their heads, from their heads to their toes, that God, You would anoint them, that God, You would appoint them, Father God, to tell this story. But Lord, to do life together, Lord, knowing that You have brought them, God, that you've brought this, th- these two together and what you've brought together, no two can separate. Yeah. No one can separate, Father God. Yeah. So God, we just ask that right now that you would anoint them, that you would call them into your destiny and that God, they would continue to walk in your goodness. Yes. God, this moment would become a monument in their life that they look back on and they go, remember then, remember that moment, remember when we stood there together. Remember when everything turned yes. and Father God that they would it would return to them the joy of their salvation. Yes. So God we thank you for this amazing couple in your holy name. And everyone said Amen. Amen. <laughs> Church What we want to do right now, I think we've got to give God praise and honour and worship when we've just heard a story like that. I think that makes, does that make our heart thankful towards them? It sets the atmosphere towards them. This is what we do. This is who we are. We are the church. And and we all have stories. We all have good things that God has done in our life. And church, would we just lift up worship for what He has done in our life and the hope He's been instilling in our life through hearing Andrew and Carrie's story? Will we just lift up our hands right now across this place? And Amy, would you lead us in worship right now? We're going to lift up His name, church. Let's raise our voice in this place. Let's, let's pour out to God what is only His.